on those days, do you guys remember when Ransel, he had, he had the, all the days, all the Sundays we had missed, he counted them all out. He says, you owe me, you owe us fellowship time. <laughs> so I'm still paying for that. How much time did it come to you? He had it all spelled out. He's like, we would have been fellowshipping a lot more and we'd missed all those. Well, um, find a way to Acts 5 and let's go ahead and pray in. Uh, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word of God. Thank you for the record of the book of Acts. Thank you for the history, Lord, valuable to us now when we see the world going the, the way that the Bible said it would go. And, and yet we see it was you who intervened in the beginning by the power and working in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stir us up, we pray, to live for you, love, serve, to, to have our lives before you in the power of God, and that your spirit may be upon us for our day, and that you would be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So before I stepped up, Jeremy asked if we were going to finish killing off Ananias and Sapphira this week. And, uh, well, that's how I introduced last week. But uh, it may overshadow. Acts 5 may be overshadowed because of just how shocking it was that that at the hand of God and the, the, the fear of God that came forth upon the people, I, I can't imagine being in a church service like that where you knew that the Holy Spirit had judged somebody on the spot. And, and what came out of that whole thing was this, it really was another, uh, uh, another powerful move, if you will, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth. And, and the people had such a fear of the Lord, and and the, the disciples continued to preach. And you will be reminded that as the the disciples at that time together would, uh, if you hadn't caught it yet, they were now in Solomon's porch. So it was no longer in the upper room where they were in one room. It's like the equivalent in days of revival where where Jesus is not in the four walls of the church building. You can study this throughout history. In days of revival, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. And a lot of times we think revival, we think, we think that, that it's, it's a move of the Spirit upon the unbeliever. Not always the case. It's usually when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer and they're filled up and power to be a witness that when they leave church and, and until they come back, say, the next week, all they're talking about everywhere they go and people that they meet, all they're talking about is... Jesus. To me, this is one of the things, and, and, and maybe you take note of things, and I, again, I, I make my assessments out of my own environment. I'm not one of those survey guys. You can, you can get surveys on the internet. You can get whatever information you want to find. We come to this place in the history of the book of Acts, and this is what happened in one place, but it describes something very important for us. It's the work and power of the Holy Spirit upon the lives of those who had believed upon Jesus Christ and went forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to do exactly what Jesus had said to do. I like that. So as you receive the word of God into your heart, again, James says it, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Peter describes in the beginning how you are purified and the obedience to the truth and, and having believed that. Now, when you're saved and then 
and then the Spirit of God comes upon you, which we've been studying in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit took their lives and began to do amazing things. So as they're sharing their faith through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, great fear upon them. I mean, that report, the holiness and power of God, I mean, every true holiness movement that God has done in the church has spread very well, and great fear comes upon people in days of revival. Now, the temptation has been, and then those movements usually turn to a more of a Pharisee movement, where we long for the holiness, but we just can't quite do it on our own, so then we work on an outward show. And we become as guilty as anybody else when we try to put that forth. In these days, they had so troubled the Sanhedrin, again, remember Sadducees, chief priests, that they were locked up in prison, but the Holy Spirit comes, sends an angel, gets them out, and says, go and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, what if he just did that? Increasing more and more the things that you're reading in your Bible, the truth of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you would start taking that and making mention everywhere you go about the Son of God. Now, back to my own little assessment. The name of Jesus is missing from the culture. It used to be that we would be so troubled that his name was taken in vain. And if you'll listen, tune your ear, even his name is not being taken in vain like it was years ago. The name Jesus is no longer on people's lips. So I just make it my goal, where I go, to bring forth the name of Jesus. And, and, and in saying that, it's just that my goal and desire where I go is that everybody would know and they would find me guilty of talking about Jesus, and if they're willing to enter into that conversation of me speaking at them, I listen a lot, listen, and I want to talk to you about the Son of God. Miraculous days happen when in Acts 5. We could, we could end the miracle with Ananias and Sapphira, and we miss the whole last part. I don't want to miss this. Because where we pick up, we pick up right, uh, let's see, right at the end of 21, right where they're sent to get them out of prison. God miraculously delivered them out of prison. I mean, do you, do you read it? Become so, you know, of course, we know this already. Kind of like reading, we'll read later on in the book of Acts, how Peter's delivered. He just walks right out. The doors open up and he walks right out. We would miss just how amazing these gifts of miracles are. And we just sort of settle in, yeah, God did that. And, but we don't think. They're walking through that. And as he miraculously delivered them, it, it then asks the question, because even as Peter gets delivered, guess what? James did not get delivered. The Apostle Paul, later on in this ministry, he makes it all the way through. He's really delivered from the hand of them in Jerusalem, but then he's put in prison for, what is it? I think it's almost two to four years he's at Caesarea. And then he finally gets to go on to Rome, and as he's going, you're like thinking, God's going to do this miraculous thing again. He did it in the beginning, and you think he's going to get delivered from prison, but he doesn't. I mean, do you as equally love the testimonies? Because don't we love testimonies? Of, of the, I mean, they get released out of prison by the power of God. We, we love to hear the testimonies of those. <coughs> they were shut up in prison, and, and they were delivered. But God doesn't always do that, does he? Many times, 
in serving the purpose of the will of God. And if you ever read anything about Richard Wurmbrandt in the days in Romania, I believe God had a greater testimony and power in working by leaving him in prison as he bore witness to the truth through his own sufferings of the truth of the life of Christ. And so we come to this place where I believe for great days for us because we we believe Jesus is coming back. We believe the Bible is going to be fulfilled. We, we, we hold these things still to be true, what God did in the past. But it doesn't require us to have miracles to see that. that so that, yes, he, then we can follow God. No, he reveals that he does not always intervene in a miraculous way. And how important that becomes. So the response, when the officers, uh, verse 22, when he did not find them in prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, thank you, Hollywood, for wrecking every dramatic and miraculous moment, because what, think of what Hollywood manufactures fake miracles all the time. I mean, the amazing things that you can now see on the screen that we wouldn't even, nobody would even think this amazing if they saw this. But this is downright amazing what just took place, because it was real. You come to this place, and then the high priest finds out about it. The captain of the temple, the chief priest, heard these things. And look at that phrase in the end of 24. They wondered what the outcome would be. This was so confounding to them. It was actually like, this is an amazing thing. Where'd they go? Nobody just disappears from prison, do they? And I'm sure they I'm sure that they searched all around, but if you ever have been climbed all the way down to Caiaphas' house basement where they said Jesus was held, you've been in Israel and you get really great Italian coffee at the at the rooster at the rooster church in Jerusalem, you go all the way down to the bottom and it is literally dug into the rock. There's no escaping out of a jail that's dug into the rock like that. So more than likely, they were kept in the same place. Verse 25. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain and the officers brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. So they're wondering where they go, and then they get the report. They're right where you took them from. I love this, because the word of the angel was for them. They were told to go back into the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Not only had they escaped from prison, but they showed themselves, and then still speaking in the name of Jesus, they showed themselves that they were not daunted, they were not afraid of the threats of those who were trying to silence them. Now does that start to perk up your ears for the days we live in? See, it does mean so in that working of the Holy Spirit, we have the commission, we have the gospel, and the pressure of the world, and I talk about it, the world has been saying to the church for years, keep that message to yourself. We don't want to hear about it. And systematically removing, I mean, you, you, can, you can read the stories, the censorship, all these things on Always trying to remove the voice of God or the, the practices of God from public life. It is no wonder to me why we're in so much trouble as we are in the world when 
when the world is fighting against God, saying we don't want to acknowledge that he even exists. Now, where are the believers who are going to, by the Holy Spirit, go and stand in the place where the Holy Spirit says unto them, speak unto the people the words of this life? This is why this gets to me in this way. I've determined that I, this is not four walls, and again, I don't, I don't believe we're just to have a internet ministry. Thank you for the last couple of years, and how many churches now, they had a hard time assembling, but now they also have a hard time doing what? Going out. See? And this is to stir us up. So they brought them, seven before, oh, wait, I missed a verse here. The captain and, and went with the officers and brought them without violence. Oh, they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Well, a couple of interesting things. The first one, I mean, would you love to be accused of this? That, I mean, can you imagine this? That you would get accused of spreading the doctrine of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. And you show up at the stores that you shop at, and they know you because you've been telling everybody in the store about Jesus Christ. Or you come through the drive-thru to pick up your food, and they, they recognize you, and, they, oh, you're the one who's been telling everybody about Jesus. Or you go to your work, and because everybody in your work has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ from you, that, oh, oh to God, would it be that we as a church would, would be guilty, like they are guilty, of spreading the doctrine of Jesus Christ, filling Jerusalem, now, that was the work of the Holy Spirit, power of God. I, I'm not saying we can bring this about, but I just put this forth. I still believe that the Spirit of God wants to give witness. Think of Jeremiah with me. Jeremiah is the prophet to Israel, to Judah, in the days before they are taken away captive by Babylon, but God insisted on having his voice declared in what he wanted to say Unto the, unto the people of Judah. In much the same way, right? God would have us bear witness to the end, would he not? He would desire us to bear witness to the truth, speaking forth and declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, not confined to walls, not locked down on a website where people have to find you, but you do understand the commission is to publish, to declare. <clears throat> and the second accusation, the intending of bringing the man's blood upon us. What a passage of scripture. What did they say when they said crucify Jesus? Pilate gives them a way out. Pilate gives them a way out. About a little theatrics, washes his hands, brings out a bowl of water. And he says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. And they say what? My paraphrase, we don't care. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. But now what's happening in the conviction of power of the Holy Spirit, and, and they're speaking forth the words of life. You do understand when they say that people would have stoned them if they had taken the apostles. Because the apostles at this point, not only had they spread the doctrine of Christ, they were held in high esteem amongst the people. And even those that they weren't believing in, the, the, the power of God through the miracles that were happening... And now you recognize that the high priest and everything's fading for them. And their, their problem is, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, they had already asked for it. 
Now, how many times is it that you shared the gospel with somebody? And no, don't, don't miss this. Sometimes the one who is the most upset with you over having shared the gospel with them, they're the closest to receiving the gospel. In fact, I find that when I've, when I've been out publicly in Grand Forks and haven't done it for a few years, when we did that on Sundays and we go from park to park, just trying to, to, to get that door open, I found something far worse than an outright being upset that I was trying to share the gospel with them. You know what I found? A polite indifference. Now, does not mean that we do not continue to publish. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we love 529. We love 529. The answer is we ought to obey God rather than men. I remind you, this is not about government politics and rules and things like that. This is about the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were being told that they could not preach the gospel. Now, every one of us has to have a line. And, and again, you say, a hill you will die on, where, where you will say, no, whatever that is. And, and I just see in the book of Acts, Acts 5, this, this is a really good one. They were told by the high priest not to preach in the name of Jesus, and Peter stands up with the rest and says, hey, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, man, we all have something we ought to do, right? We do. I ought to lose 10, 15 pounds. Right? I ought to do that. Well, whatever you might measure in that words, but the actual Greek word for ought is a much stronger word. And uh, it, I'm, re- I'm out of the New King James, and I think it's even in the King James that says, we must obey God rather than men. Now, I like this because... In that place of having been arrested, being told that they can't preach Christ, and this is where we, to me, it's one of those things. Also notice, this isn't happening upon them because they're not preaching Christ. See, think about the church has been lulled to sleep. Satan's lullaby to the church, right? To, to almost Satan rocking the church to sleep as he's spreading his lies, working his plans, I'm convinced now that the word global has been sown for many churches to to go global along with the global view of all these other world religions. And that's my take on that. But this idea of we must obey God rather than men, it's a divine imperative. It's that which they have received by commanding, we must live this way. And I encourage you to all work this out between you and the Lord concerning your regular obedience to live in your life, telling others about Jesus, sharing the gospel, speaking forth, and here's a good thing, and it happens to me all the time. What do you got? You have a big weekend plan. I say, yes, I do have a big weekend plan. Going to be sharing the gospel with those going down to help a church in Fergus Falls, or we're going to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then on Sunday, let me tell you about Sunday. I don't use as much drama always. Depending on, you know, I can tone down the, you know, the drama and just and say, yeah, my Sundays, every Sunday is a big day for me, and we're going to be going through the Word of God, and I'm going to be preparing everybody. And right now, I'm preparing the church in Fargo to go to Valley City and preach the gospel on one day, June 18th, to, to Valley City. And we're going to go there. We're going to preach Christ to the city. We're going to have a parade float with worship on it. But really, that is, is simply our tool 
to be amongst all the people, and we're going to hand out 2,000 invites to our gospel event that takes place right after the parade. And it's going to be hot, so we're going to probably hand out 2,000 waters, too. Right? And we're going to preach Christ. And we're going to give away free corn dogs as we share the gospel with people. And, and we're going to pray for people. And, and this is so we can preach that Valley City needs to be saved. And I hope people look at our t-shirts and they see the cards. Like, what do you mean we need to be saved? And I hope that they ask. Saved from sin and hell and death. This is not so you can be a better city or saved from your ignorance. None of that stuff. Now, here you have this. And I'm just receiving it in much the same way we must do this. Same way you would, you would take a step of obedience, moving your family to come live in Grand Forks. We must go live there. Right? You, you start to hear things. Or I must, you, you start to like, I must tell those that I work with about Jesus. When I worked at Ford, Royce and I started praying. It was Royce's idea. He meets me within the first week. And he said, you're a pastor. And just, he just, I said, I'm like, okay, where's this conversation going to go? Don't know the guy yet. Is he favorable? Is he, is he, and next thing he knows, like, hey, let's get together. Let's get together for breakfast and let's pray. So let's do it. And we started week by week praying for all of our coworkers, 18 people in the parts department. And I kid you not, in, we would miss a week here and there, but in the weeks that we prayed and we prayed, I was able to share the gospel with all of those 18 in one way, shape, or form, one by one, sharing the gospel, preaching Christ. Now, I don't know what they think about me now, but I'd love to hear the things that they say about me, because I hope I'm guilty of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to those men. And the peace that worked together was prayer. Did you miss that? Prayer is the working power that's behind all this. And what's their one decision? Their one decision? Angel said, go and speak to the people all the words of this life. Man is telling them, don't speak in Jesus' name. Now, you do realize that's where we're at. Now, many of us have already been silenced by our own efforts to not answer the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to speak and tell others. Now, this is the part where, where we differ in our day and age from that which we read in Acts 5. They were stirred up. They were filled with the Spirit. God was doing miracles and signs and wonders that, that published all that. But don't miss this part. I mean, again, I'm not advocating anybody dying in church to make this happen. But what I am saying is, at some point, we read the Scriptures, we pray, receive the power of God to go forth and to open our mouths. Now, the time certainly is coming. right? And again, I was bold again this morning. At the very end of service, opening up Romans 1, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, right? It's written, the just shall live by faith. And then 18, Romans 1.18 says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness, right? And the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And then where does, where does the book of Romans go next? It begins to address how man chose to worship everything else but the living God. And then God gave them over to a debased, reprobate mind, an unbelieved mind, unbelieving mind, and they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Well, right now, in Pride Month, the world is publishing that lie. Right? And, and it's in your face. If you were wondering about days a lot, 
Jesus said, days of Lot. I'm telling you, these are days of Lot. Romans goes to that place of homosexuality, and this is it. We will see in a very short time period that it will be illegal to share the gospel with a homosexual. We'll see it real soon. Those ministries that existed, what was it, Exodus International, man, did they come under fire because they were teaching that, that you would convert someone back to Christ and they would say no to homosexuality. Now, back to 30, as Peter preaches, he says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus when you murdered, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. That's his answer to you are putting this man's blood upon us. And what does he say? You killed him. That's what he's saying to them. He's boldly testifying and affirming, if you listen close to it, God raised Jesus from the dead. So not only when he murdered him on a tree, but now describes in the 31, him, God has exalted to his right hand. They murdered him by hanging him on a tree, and now he's risen again and exalted to heaven. You know who he's talking to? A whole room full of Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection. Not only is he talking to them, convicting, again, Holy Spirit given opportunity to convict on sin, righteousness, and judgment. On sin, because they do not believe on me. What's the sin? Unbelief. On righteousness, because, what does Jesus say? Because I go to the Father. Right now, he's convicting them on their righteousness over what they have done. And how do we know that Jesus was, was righteous? Because he's accepted of God, ascends to heaven, sits down at the right hand, and, and then he describes at the right hand to be prince and savior. And then look at him, look at him open up the gospel to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. That's all, you, you think of all the prophecies that as God began to speak through, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, and you get into Hosea and Ezekiel's prophecy. And over and over, there's this, there's this prophecy of God pleading with Israel under repentance. Zacharias, we, we, we know his very well, that says, They will look upon him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his holy son. Peter is preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins. What was the command? The command was that in, you should go into all the world, make disciples, Luke records it, that, that repentance should be preached in Jesus' name, and that remission of sin can come. And here Peter is preaching that, that God would give, grant repentance to Israel. Did he develop their sin? No, they were already aware because of the guilt of bloodshed upon the murder of Jesus. And what does he go to? He just goes right to that place and says, you murdered him. And the conviction's there. Now, we love Acts 2 because when they're cut to the heart, and as they're cut to the heart, 3,000 souls are saved. Well, do you know what happens here? In, in, in revealing that Jesus is the prince, the ruler, and savior. I mean, he's the one who's at the right hand of God. He's on the throne. He's ruling. I mean, he is ruling with God. And he, as he's doing that and, and declaring that, God is at work. On their hearts. And I love, again, he just simply bears witness in 32. 532 is my favorite verse in, in all of chapter 5. And we are witnesses to these things. What things? That Jesus rose again and ascended to heaven. 
They were there when they saw Jesus ascend into heaven. Scripture prophesied that he would be on the throne. And he simply said, we saw this. He says, we're witnesses of these things. And then the second part, so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This to me is a really great thing. They had been charged with filling the city with the doctrine of Christ. And now he affirms that he's an eyewitness to these things. And that the Holy Spirit bears witness to this. And what can you now do? You can go right to the scriptures. And he's talking to the people who did not believe the scriptures. you understand the Sadducees? They did not go beyond the first five books of Moses. They ignored the prophets. Now, so is it new in our day and age that there would be a whole group of churches that form together and say, we don't need prophecy anymore. They're Sadducees. They're denying the current working power of God. They're denying the power of the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Many today do not believe in the visible return of Christ to set up his kingdom for a thousand years. I, I don't get it, but now I get it. But the Holy Spirit bears witness. And look who the Holy Spirit's given to them, to them that obey him. How much of this is not happening for us as church because we do not bring ourselves to one simple conclusion? And I'll say it this way. I must obey the Spirit. So this is 29 through 32. And I spend a lot of time on it, and I say a lot of words, but now I just scrunch it all together. If we come to that place individually, together as a church, and say, what well, I'm seeking God, and what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to me to do, I must obey the Spirit. Now, that works personally, doesn't it? If you are to go and do something, maybe you're to do something with your money. Maybe you're to do something with your feet. Get there. Maybe you're supposed to make a phone call. Maybe you're supposed to get on your knees and pray and cry out. I don't know what it is, but I trust the Holy Spirit will work in such a way to bear witness to his Son. Now, I have a lot of responsibility. What, how did Jesus say it? To him to whom much is given, much is required. <coughs> Jay says, let not many of you become teachers. That was sober for me to enter into. I have a pulpit of which I am to speak and declare forth the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit to stir up, to edify, to build up, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, let's do it. And that's how I approach this. Now, like I said, we love Acts 2. Great moment, cut to the heart, people get saved. Guess what? No less, the same sharp cutting is happening right now. But look what happens in 33. In this cutting, when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Bye-bye to the polite indifference. Maybe it would be nice if we go out and share the gospel and somebody would get so upset with us in this town. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? They get so mad at you for thinking they needed to be saved that they start cussing you out. Wouldn't that be a a refreshing difference to the plight and goes, oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing with me. All along intending in that polite hardness to do nothing. Well, cut to the heart and they want to kill him. Don't miss it. And, and the reason why, you know, we see this power, I mean, this conviction. They're convicted, and I'll be honest with you, the natural man hates conviction. When you were carnal, you wanted to stay away from church. 
When I was backslidden, I had both fingers in my ears, and I did not want to hear about the conviction of over how I was living my life. But lo and behold, instead of them getting killed as, as the, the Sanhedrin's cut to the heart, Gamaliel stands up. Now we know him because Paul describes he grew up at, the, at, his, at his feet. And this is our first you know, a mention of Gamaliel and that he's a teacher and he was held by respect by all the people. Now we, we believe him to be a Pharisee because Paul was a Pharisee. So here, in the midst of all these Sadducees, on the Sanhedrin, one of the Pharisees stands up, and, and he, he commands, he says, get, get him out of the room. Let's talk amongst ourselves. He puts him outside for a little while, and he said unto them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that what you intend to do regarding these men. In the midst of being cut to the heart and anger and hatred, and we're going to, can you imagine all the apostles getting killed? Right there. They're that close. It's cutting edge. And Gamaliel stands up, and after the natural sense, they guys, reason with yourselves. He says, some time ago, Theotis rose up claiming to be somebody. Now, when he's saying that, claiming to be somebody, it's a reference to a couple of men who said they were the Messiah. Don't miss this, that there were those in the midst of the true Messiah who were saying, I'm him. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. Another man. So after this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, drew away many people after him. So he died, he perished. All who obeyed him were dispersed. And he just says, let's apply the same thing. He says, Jesus was, we, 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 we crucified Christ. Now he doesn't say those words, Jesus, but he says, keep away from these men. Okay? And let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. Simply identifying that the best course of action, even though they're cut to the heart, they think they got to do that. I don't know what would have happened, I, what God would have done at that moment if they had killed everybody. Maybe all of Israel would have got saved. Who knows? But in their wisdom of, again, just and for whatever reason, they listened to Gamaliel. They listened to his advice. Now, I love the Old Testament stories of the truth of how God intervened. And then you can remember Matt's stories because they have they have such, uh, I, I, you, you'd say these are unbelievable, except they're believable. In the days when David's son was going to take over the kingdom, and that Ahithophel, who had been David's advisor, he was plotting together with uh, Absalom to take over the kingdom. And in the middle of all that, David has another trusted advisor, and he wants to leave the city with David, and David says, stay. And then he prays and, and, and says, really asking God to, to cause this one that he trusts to have counsel that he could give to Absalom, and that that counsel would overshadow the counsel of Ahithophel. And you listen to Ahithophel's counsel, and we're told he, he, he was wise and people would listen to him. His counsel is spot on. He says, let's go get David now, take a small group, I'll go kill myself. And then David's friend stands up and gives a different counsel and describes, and everything turns at that one moment. And you remember David's humility when he's leaving? If this is of God and God has taken away the kingdom from me, right, let it go. He says, but if this is of God and I'm to be back, then I'll be back. Same thing, Gamaliel stands up and they, they, he simply gives the same counsel. If this is of God, you cannot fight against it. 
That's 39. If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Now, we can sit back now with all of our information going back and forth. We have access to information, and we can see people fighting against God. But I just remind us as church, right? The church that belongs to Jesus, we are called to make disciples. We're called to preach Christ. We're called to live our lives in such a way. And you don't have to do it with like certain words. How about this? Simply get caught doing what you're doing. When somebody asks you a question, what did you do this weekend? We went and worshiped the living God and served. And we were stirred up as we studied the Bible that we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those in our lives. So when somebody asks you, how was your weekend? You have a choice right there to say what? It was good. Or you can say what? Let me tell you. Have you ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? We were in Acts 5. We, and, and you say, it means, it might not mean anything to them, but everything to you that you just get caught doing. What, you're, what did you come and do today? We worship the living God. You know, when, people, when people ask me about how was your weekend, and I'll just give enough to like, it was great. And it's all, it's all getting caught. You know, we were purchasing shirts that we were going to print for our outreach down in Valley City. And the Lord gave vision to like, hey, get everybody the same color t-shirt. Make it save Valley City on the front. Jesus saves on the back. I had, I had 12 t-shirt ideas. Came down to one idea, save Valley City. We're buying the t-shirts. And the clerk, I'm, I, okay, it's one of the truck stops in Fargo. They have all these t-shirts. They must be connected some way with the business that prints t-shirts. They have all these t-shirts. <coughs> They're two bucks a piece. I can't, the internet can't beat that price. I go in and I'm buying 50 red t-shirts of all these sizes and I'm coming up with all these t-shirts and go to this, to this open clerk and it's taken a while and interact and he's counting them all and, and then he says to me, what are you doing with these? And I said, let me tell you, we're going to wear these when we go down to Valley City in June, and we're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the cities. We're going to describe unto the people of Valley City how that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of the world, and that he rose again, and we're going to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he looks at me with a smile and says, right on. But not only did he hear it, and he's a believer, right? And he probably hasn't, maybe he hasn't even witnessed or confessed Christ with his co-workers, but all the other four or five co-workers there hear that whole interaction, because at that point I'm not talking quietly. But I have that split moment where I get to do what? What are these t-shirts? Oh, we're just getting these t-shirts, we're going to print on them. And you can be in such a hurry that you miss the simple little Holy Spirit things along the way. All right, well, let's wrap up here. They agreed with him. So... Back to this, Gamaliel convinces them, counsel, the whole thing. And they decide and they agree with him, and they call for the apostles and they beat them. Forty is confounding to me. They agree with this counsel, but they're going to be certain that we're going to leave a mark on them, right? Yeah, we're, we're going to leave them alone, but while we got them, we're going to teach them a couple things. I love the way it reads in the book of Judges how Gideon when he was pursuing the two kings and one of the cities, one, one, of the, one of the communities wouldn't help him, he says, when I come back and they're in my hands, you guys are in trouble. He catches the guy, right? there's two cities. One of the cities, the Bible reads this way, that he taught him with briars. 
He came back and taught them in the city. And so they kind of do the same thing. They're like, they're, they're teaching them not to do this, and they're teaching them with some pain. Commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, remember 29, right? 29 was, you decide. We must obey God rather than men. You decide. Well, their decision is, we're not going to kill you. We want to kill you, but we're not going to kill you. But we're still going to tell you not to do it. And they made their decision, didn't they? They're still trying to force obedience. Okay, you ready, church? When people say, when, when people say to you, you can't do that. What are you going to say? Okay. We're gonna, are we going to be such polite Midwesterners? I mean, think of this. I, I, this morning thoughts, I'll give it to you. In the Middle East is the center of all the conflict in the world, and everybody in the Middle West is saying, no conflict. Please, no conflict. Aren't we that way? Do you understand that when someone says to you, you can't do that, it's very okay to say what? Yes, I can. Every time we've gone to the park district, one of the lower level employees who's an attendant at that park, as we, we descend upon the park with about 10 to 15 people and start handing out tracts and we start talking with people about the gospel, the last years that I've done that, I get brought into the, the warming house or the, the park building and, and some high school employee of the park district is telling me that I can't share the gospel in the parks. And I like this, I, I simply say, yes, we can. You can't talk about Jesus here. Yes, we can. And they don't, have, they don't know how to answer that. They expect that when they tell me I can't do this, that I'm going to say what? Oh, I'm so sorry that I was talking about Jesus. Listen, you, you understand. You can tell that you've been raised in the Midwest, and I, I'm as guilty as others. We get near to somebody, I'm sorry. Or we think of something we should have foreseen, and we're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't do that right. How about stop apologizing for all the things that you're doing right in Christ and the boldness and just take that out and say, no, we can do this. They depart from the presence of the council, verse 41, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, we did Matthew 5, 1 through 12 this morning in Fargo. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men persecute you, when they revile you, when they speak all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. For great is your reward in heaven. For as they persecuted the prophets, they persecute you also. It's a privilege to be persecuted, chased, flee. When somebody says to you, get out of here, that's persecution. And again, I'm just a bit more savvy than the the new employees, and I, when I say to them, no, we can share the gospel here. And you know who I spend the most time sharing the gospel with? The one who's telling me that I can't do this. You mean to tell me that I cannot tell someone how they can be saved from hell, how they can have life everlasting and go to heaven and be with Jesus for all of eternity and all the fullness and love of God? You want me to not tell people that? And what I'm really doing is preaching the gospel to them as they're telling me not to do it. See why it's important to be out? In public, in the in the, the realm where people are at, 2020 was a bizarre year. Nobody was out. You go out, nobody's out. You know, and, and this is this is it. Well, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. It's where to leave off. 
I'm talking tonight, stirring us up over one thing. I'm stirring us up over preaching. But you know where this ends up? There were so many people saved at that point in time that one of the most important things that now the church is doing in Jerusalem is teaching. And when trouble arises in six over the distribution to the to the to the care of the saints, you know what the apostles say? We cannot give ourselves to this. We have to stay with the word of God in prayer. I say this very clearly. Preach to the unbeliever, teach the believers. Is the teaching ministry as valid? Oh, very valid. You have people coming, teach the word of God. You have people gathering together. Get prayer going. You know how important that is? Prayer, the word of God. Teaching, teaching the saved, preaching to the unsaved. How many times has the church been guilty of preaching to the saved? Certain denominations would preach the gospel every Sunday to the same group of people. I come to church today and I look at everybody and there's only one person in the room who probably isn't saved, maybe two, maybe three. So I just kind of throw a hook out there to the gospel today and this morning. But, but I spend my concentration teach. I didn't preach to any of you to get saved tonight. But we're all stirred up to the teaching of the word of God. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Stir us up to live for you. Lord, help us get caught serving you and loving you. And that we could naturally preach the gospel because the death and resurrection of Christ is so a part of what we believe and think that we are guilty of telling everybody about Jesus. Everyone we know would know that we are guilty of spreading the doctrine of Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So may the Lord bless you in work. I mean, I, there is so much to be done. You have a lot in daily life. I do too. And my encouragement to you, don't miss those moments when the Holy Spirit is intersecting with other people. Maybe it's a phone call. I, you know, you look at phone calls and you're like, everybody's got caller ID now. Right? How about ask the Holy Spirit, do I get this one? You know, it's a robocall or it, maybe somebody's really on the line. Is it ever really a wrong call then? Or maybe like you, the person you, you've been working with and they're just so frustrated because they won't listen to you and they're calling you again. So they can tell you all about things and the Holy Spirit, Spirit says, pick them up and start talking to them about me. Just things like that. So That's it. Lord bless you. Happy birthday, Sam. Thank you. A day late. Or am I early for next year? God bless you. All right. You guys are at liberty. Free to move about the country. Um, no restrictions. Unlimited rights that are granted unto you by your Creator. Isn't that cool? So God bless you.